yeah, obviously we're quite good at football as well. Hello and welcome to the first ever fucking great podcast, an Arsenal podcast for Arsenal fans. My name's Jack Wood and I'm alongside Tom Clark. Morning Jack, how are you? Yes, I am very, very well, thank you. It's good having a Saturday night game, isn't it? Oh, it's, I'll tell you what though, right, I know some people don't like it because you're waiting around all morning and all afternoon and you've got to watch all the 3pm games and you've got to go through the nervousness of thinking, Man City have dropped points, could we do something? But I actually love it, it's my favourite thing in the world because then it's finished and you can enjoy the rest of your evening, you wake up feeling great on a Sunday, if it goes well. Um, and yeah, it's just a great experience. I'm a fan of them. So we are going to talk about a lot of things um, that we noticed during the Arsenal v Brentford game. So I think uh, throughout this podcast, we're going to talk about Declan Rice in, in that pivot role because he was just phenomenal last night. We're obviously going to talk about Havertz and how genuinely happy I was that he scored. And then also we'll touch on the, the goalkeeper situation. I think we'll talk about uh, VAR as well, but because it was good last night, I thought. Yeah, yeah, which is which is feels rare, doesn't it? I think I think it's really important that we do actually acknowledge it when it does get things right. Uh, so yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I think the key for me is, I mean, we this is obviously not just a, a Brentford game thing, but it's looking at the the way that we're playing this season and how it's completely different to the way we played last season. And you can see the blueprints of how we played last season feeding into what we're doing now, um, and that emphasis on control and low-risk football, which is less exciting, but potentially more effective. So I think that's, yeah, that's that's where I'm going to kind of come at it from. I feel like the podcast is going to be about four hours after that little preamble we've just done. <laughs> yeah, potentially. We'll see how things go. Listen, you're in for a long ride, okay? Just stick with us, stick with us. Uh, so let's let's start with the goal scorer, Kai Havertz. He, um, I, found, I found myself genuinely happy that he scored last night. Um you know, because I do, I do think his performances have been going under the radar. Some some sections of the fan base have kind of written him off already, and I feel like at times I felt like I've been I've been saying, you know what, I'm, maybe it's just not quite going to work out. And you know, it it might not still, but with games mm. like last night, that is only going to help his Arsenal career. Yeah, hundred percent. And 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 actually, it's it's strange because there are some games that you see us playing um, where you do think. You know he's that he's actually the man for the job. You forget he's he's mad, he's so tall, you know, and it gives you an extra dimension. And and I know it wasn't a header at the end last last night, but so much of the game yesterday we were putting balls into the box. And I love Gabby Jesus. I love him. I think he's a, an amazing football player. I think he does so much for the side. And I genuinely believe last season that we wouldn't have been the team we were without his influence at the beginning because he comes in with Zinchenko as well as these winning mentality players and changes everything for him. I love him, but he is not going to be on the edge of the six-yard box for crosses into the box. He's not a fox in the box. He's not going to score you 30 goals a season. And as we might get onto later if we have time, and Ketia isn't either. Havertz probably isn't either, but what he does give, give you is that is that kind of stature, physical stature as a player, where you can put a ball into the box and go, you know what, he might well be there. He's taller than most defenders these days. If you put him next to Lissandro Martinez, he'd make Martinez look like a gnome. That's just how it is. <laughs> he is he's got that in his locker. He gives us a different dimension. Um and that's and what yeah, that's what right. I like about it, actually. Sorry. Um Sorry. he gives us that he gives us that like direct option. And yes. I think a, a lot last night, especially in the first half, we were getting a lot of a lot of our good attacks and not that our promising attacks, which didn't lead to a fucking shot, by the way. Um, yeah. A lot of our attacks were coming down the left-hand side when 
kind of Zinchenko, Martinelli and Jesus are in like that triangle in like the left third of the box and yeah. out on the wing. And that, and that and that was good, but then our, one of our most direct players on the pitch that started Martinelli, he was out wide. Mm-hmm. Jesus, he was on the edge of the box. Mm. So I was I was looking in the box there was like eight Brentford defenders. Yeah. And I think Saka was just making his way into the box at the far post and it's just like are you going to put a cross in and Saka's going to head it in is it? That's kind of the thing and and when play and 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 the, and the problem we have now is that you know last season and you saw it towards the second half of last season as well it wasn't just it's not just now but teams are looking at us differently than they did this time last season. Um so many sides now playing a completely deep back five uh you know a low block not allowing us to get balls into those spaces and around the area. So you do need to look at more direct ways of playing. And there was a time yesterday where Martinelli played a glorious ball in from left, curled in right on the six between the six yard box and the keeper. And there was no one there. And and you just and there's just there's there's those times where you think we are crying out for a, a player who could be a little bit more direct with. Havertz is probably that player. I genuinely believe that. Um, I don't think he's a number nine, but I think if, if you're looking for a player who you can be direct with, who can get in those areas and has got the physical stature to make himself a presence in those areas, he's probably the one. Um, so there are games where we're crying out for his influence. And yeah, I mean, who wouldn't be happy for him? I mean, you know, the guy has come in and I've been my own critic of him and I'm, the jury's still out. The jury is definitely, definitely still out after three years or four years or whatever it was at Chelsea. And now this, but to see him of all people pop up with that goal that puts us top of the league after all the the, the, the crap that's been thrown at him, ah, oh, glorious and a, a genuinely brilliant moment. I was so I was pleased for the goal, but almost as much pleased as as for him as I was as I was for the goal itself. I th- I, th- I think it's saying something about our attacking prowess this season when we're putting someone up front that played left back for Germany during the international break. <laughs> Look, yeah, it's very true. I'll tell you, I love the versatility. What can I say? Yeah. Well, yeah, players that can play in eight, eight positions, and we've truly yeah. got that now with Havertz. So he'll be in goal next. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me. Right, let's move on to another thing which I want to talk about, Declan Rice. And I feel like we, if, if we'd have started this podcast earlier in the season, we'd end up spending five, ten minutes talking about how great Declan Rice is. But I can't think of another game this season where he's played that single pivot just so well. Like, you, you can you can talk about in the first half when he, he cleared it off the line and mm-hmm. Ramsdale doing silly things last night, but I don't think that's necessarily his fault, so we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah. You can talk about that, but it's just that... He's, it's like he's got three... It's like we've got three men in midfield. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like how Chelsea and Leicester must have felt when they had N'Golo Kante play in the pivot. Like, I'm not saying he's... As, exactly I'm, I'm, I'm not sure he's as good as that yet if he does this for a whole season then we can start talking about that um that's a hot take that we'll go on tiktok that declan rice is as good as angola can say um but he just he's just got this knack for being in exactly the right place at exactly the right time yeah i mean he is i'm off the top of my head now and i know we spent 105 million or whatever it was on him and therefore he should be this but off the top of my head and I want I want you to tell me if you can think of a player who's come in and genuinely straight away you've known 
oh my god we've got something here because for me i was and this is going to sound so stupid but to begin with 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 alexis sanchez i wasn't i wasn't 100% sure things had gone a little bit awry for him at barca i didn't know how things were going to go with that but for me the last one that we brought in who i was like this bloke is going to be insane straight away was meza Ozil. I can't think of another player that we've had that we've brought in who is absolutely ready-made, who is absolutely already one of the best in that position in the world. And he is, by the way. Um, he just does everything. You don't even... I think what can say the best about him is that 90% of the things he does, you don't even notice. You don't even notice he's doing them. Other than those surging runs that he makes when he gets the ball sort of in our half and then goes, okay, there's no one ahead of me. I'm just going to run with it. And the times where he pushes forward and finds the right pass, you just don't notice him. He is that good in that position. And the only player who does that as well as him, I think, in this league and possibly at this stage better than him is Rodri. It's just Mm. that he's just so good. And you're right, he is like two players in one. Yeah, I think with... um... With Declan Rice, the, the the thing last night was I was really noticing that we didn't have him in that left eight slot as well, which I mm-hmm. think just goes to show how good he is with the ball going forward. Mm. And yeah, with with the midfield last night, it was it was a very very strange setup because it was it was kind of it was almost like Trossard and Erdegaard were the the two eights, mm-hmm. and then with with that Declan Rice is going to be absolutely left to himself to be the defensive midfielder there. You know, I, I mentioned Rodri before, and I think, you know, it, it, you can go back and forth. There are things that Rice can do that Rodri can't, and there are things that Rodri do that Rice doesn't do as well, and that's fine. You're not going to have to compare everyone constantly for the rest of time. But what I would say is that Rodri's 27 in the prime of his career and been playing in a world-beaten side for five years. Rice has been playing for West Ham in the third-tier European competition last season, and he did brilliantly. But this is his first season at the very, very top, playing with the very, very, very best players in the league. Can you imagine how good he might be in three, four years' time when he genuinely hits that peak? And and the role that he plays, you are looking at 27, 28 as his peak, maybe even longer. It genuinely is scary. I think, And I I cannot believe. I I knew he was going to be good, but I cannot believe how good he is. And I cannot believe it's taken this long for someone to go and grab him off David Moyes' grubby hands. <laughs> yeah, I it was it was kind of almost weird that we signed him. And I think it's only just starting to sink in now that we did actually sign him. Like when I see yeah. him in an Arsenal shirt, I'm still like Oh yeah, yeah. Rice plays for us. Like, <laughs> I feel that, I feel that. When you watch him play for England, he's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's we, he's, he's one of he's ours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I also think that we're we're seeing him in a only only semi-functioning midfield at the minute as well. Even mm-hmm. even if we have Partey back, so I, I I think our best midfield three is Partey, Rice, Odegaard, mm-hmm. um, and with Partey's injuries and stuff, and also with the way we've been playing this season, I think I think that that midfield hasn't been functioning the way it did last season. So the fact that he's doing that well and we're not even playing that great, it's like you were saying with Rodri, he's he's only going to get better. He's only he really going to get better. Is, like yeah. You look at Rodri and he's in such a, a I, I say settled, like Guardiola doesn't make 17 changes before a match, uh, <laughs> but he's in such a settled city side. You know, he's got Bernardo next to him. He's got Carl Walker on his right. You yeah, know, he's he's got I mean, he's got everything there that not only helps him defensively, but he can go forward. And I think with Rice... We will get there. 
I agree. I couldn't agree more. I think um, he 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 is in that. He is probably now. There are maybe one or two players in the in the in the first eleven where they get injured and you begin to fear for us. And last season, I would have put Saka in that, but then we went and beat Man City without Bukayo Saka, which was mad. Um, and I think it's probably him, Rice, because he went off at halftime against Spurs with a, an injury and we looked nowhere near as confident after that. Um, and Saliba. And I think those are probably the only two players now who, if they got injured, I would be genuinely fearful for any game that we played because I think he's the glue, you know, and Saliba's just an exquisite footballer and that's why he's on that list. But for Rice, I, I think you take him out of the side and we're not, we're just not as good as an 11. I think we forget last season that a lot of our success came down to, and possibly our initial, uh, uh, eventual demise as well, came down to the fact that we basically played the first 11 for about six months of the season. Mm. You know, from some, sort of August to basically until the World Cup, actually, we played the same 11 players week in, week out. Um, and and I think that that was that that familiarity and that spine is, is all a part of what makes a team great and getting used to each other. But it's mad to think that Declan Rice has only been here for a few, well, actually, in what we November, you know, three months, four months he's been around the squad. He looks like he's been there forever. Yeah. And I just don't know how he does it. You look at a player that important coming into a squad. You look at Enzo at Chelsea. And I know Chelsea are an absolute dumpster fire anyway, and that's not all down to Enzo. But you look at him and you go, you know, he's still finding his feet 11 months into the side, coming in as a £100 million player. He's still finding his feet. And you want to build the squad around him. You look at Rice, you wouldn't think that Rice has been there for fewer months than Enzo Fernandez. You wouldn't think that Rice has been there for any less than five years. The bloke is part of that 11, part of that team, works so well with Saliba and Gabriel, gets the, the style of play. It's just ridiculous. And and I think he is, he as I said before, he files for me as as the player, the only player since Ozil to come in and go, oh my God, we've got a player. I've but, been thinking about that, by the way. I Sanchez and Ozil. But other than that, I, I can't think of anyone. I mean, Sanchez, as I say, Sanchez, quite quickly I worked out that he was going to be the player that we thought he might be. But I wasn't sure to begin with. With Rice, I was sure. Um, but even being sure that he was a top player, I didn't think he was this good. I think I watched him for many, many years at West Ham and thought he's a very, very good footballer. And for England, I thought he's a very, very good footballer. But even I was sitting there going, 100 million, you know, that's a lot of money. But my God, you know, 100 million is absolute steal. The guy is is one of the best midfielders in the world. I, I do I'll think we have, I, I, I do think we have to put Aubameyang in that shout as well. That's a good shout. I hadn't thought about mm. Aubameyang. I kind of block out the Aubameyang years, not because of him, but just because I yeah. went to too many games mm-hmm. where I remember walking out wanting to throw darts at pictures of you know, Emery, <laughs> and I, I can't, I can't forget that. <laughs> Let's move on to. Um... I want to talk a little bit about the the goalkeeping situation. So obviously Ramsdale had a few shaky moments last night, mm. but also made a couple of very good saves. And mm. uh, right at the end, Brentford put a ball in the box and it was like the 93rd minute and 30 seconds or something. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, here we go. <laughs> but he, he came out and claimed it and <laughs> managed to do a knee slide as he fell to the ground. <laughs> and, I, I, and I thought it was absolutely amazing when... Um, I think there was three or four players going and patting him on the back and the referee hadn't blown the full-time whistle. And at one point, the fans were singing his name after mm-hmm. the after in the first half where uh, the Brentford fans were, were singing that he was England's number four. 
Yeah. And I, I was trying to figure out where, where the third goalkeeper was there. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I, got that one I, I don't know if Brentford have like a reserve goalkeeper that's English that they're, they're now putting above Ramsdale. But um, yeah, it, it, it took a lot of stick last night. But I think that is because of Arteta. I think the mistakes that he made last night are the situation and how Arteta said when he brought in Raya that he would handle the situation and all this and all that. But history shows us that that never, ever works. Mm-hmm. A- any any professional goalkeeper will tell you that they need to be starting and it's all a confidence thing. And yeah, of course it is. I am worried that what what happened last night is kind of like a prelude of... Um, of what might be to come for Ramsdale. Because he, he's, I think he's a very good goalkeeper. He's only 24, 25. And I think he had all the kind of attributes to really push on. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I I could have, before we brought him right, I could I could have seen him being our goalkeeper for the next 10, 15 years. Same, yeah. Um, I could. But with with the situation, in our t- I'm very, very worried that this is going to ruin him. Well, what I would say is I think, and sorry to butt in, I think there have been moments in Arteta and I love you know I I love him I love Arteta I loved him as a player for Arsenal I love him as a manager for Arsenal and that's not just down to the success that or kind of the 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 idea of success that he's brought to us but I I do still wonder he's still a young coach it's just still his first job I'm sure he's still learning things I do wonder about his man management at times because I do just wonder how it's gone in the part I I think the man management is is a worry for me um, and I know we did the right thing getting rid of Aubameyang at that time, as shown by the fact that Aubameyang since has been not great at playing football. Um, uh, but there, and the Urzil thing wasn't handled terribly well either. And Gwendozy. there's just times, yeah. And there's just times where I think, oh, you know what? I'm not sure this is your strength. Um, whereas at the other side of it, it was Arsene Wenger's probably number one quality was his was his man management and how he got the players to believe in what he wanted them to do and how he got the players to believe in themselves as well. Um, I'm not sure the man management is there yet. I think it was dealt with poorly. I don't think the right thing to do. And uh, all of this is, is prefaced by me saying that it is absolutely not a bad thing to look at a position that you think on the pitch you can improve on and improve on that position. Because in the situation we were in in the summer, we 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 almost did it last year. We almost did it, and I, that killed me that we almost did it. I would have rather finished. I'd have rather had a great season and finished third than doing what we did last season because it killed me that we didn't. And I think it killed Arteta as well. He's been. He said, you know, he he almost felt like quitting the job. He almost felt like leaving, like just resigning because he didn't know what he could do. So he was looking at the positions on the pitch where he thought we can improve, and the keeper was one of them, rightly or wrongly. I think you're right. I could have seen Ramsdale performing as our number one keeper for the next 10 years. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid at that. But and, there were and, times last season where Ramsdale was a little bit shaky, especially in that weird little run-in, you know, where we had the three draws in a row and he just looked a bit shaky in the Southampton at home game where he gives the ball away after 40 seconds and you're thinking, this is not the time to be mucking around. Um, so it's okay to improve upon a player, but I think what you have to do then is be honest with both yourself, the players, and the fans, and say, Raya is our number one. I've brought him in because I want him as our number one. Aaron Ramsdale will have chances to show that he is better and the right 
man to be at the number one, in the number one position. Um, but coming out and doing the whole, you know, I've wanted to sub keepers in the middle of games. I'll rotate the keepers, and then not doing that, you're just lying to your to your players. You're just telling Ramsdale that he's he's still going to get chances, and he might even come on in the middle of a game if Rice performing poorly. And then you don't do that. It's not going to do anything for Ramsdale Ramsdale's confidence, which is already going to be shot to pieces by being replaced as the number one. By the way, well, that's um, the thing that the, the things Ramsdale did last night. It's not showing that he's a bad keeper. Like when it, when he threw the ball and it just came out of his hand wrong. That yeah. that's 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 not saying that he's rubbish at goalkeeping. No, it's not that's at just all. one of those mistakes that happens when you when you're on the edge a little bit, when you're shaking a little bit, when you're a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like the, 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 sort of, the sort of things he wasn't doing last season. He wasn't. Do, he would never do that. You know, he would never do anything like that. And the the thing is, I'm, I I agree with you, and I think Arteta kind of needs to needs to die on this hill a little bit more. He needs to be a lot more honest and be like, right, okay, well, rising, we've just signed him for 26, 27 odd million because mm. that's come out this week that we are, well... Yeah, we're going to be doing that. Yeah, it, it, we were going to be doing it anyway, but be, just be honest. Be completely honest because then I think the fans will kind of get on board with it a little bit more. I think they'll be, you know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm annoyed at the situation, mm. but that's also because I think, I don't think Raya's an obvious upgrade. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'd put Ryan Ry Ramsdale on a very, very similar level. Same, yeah. They're, they're not top tier. No, I think, I, and I think they, I think it probably comes down to the fact that Ryan might be able to do certain things that Arteta wants him to do better than Ramsdale can. But then you're sacrificing things that Ramsdale can do better as well. I don't think there's like a. It's not like we brought in Allison. You know, it's 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 you know you're right. They're 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 on the same tier of of goalkeepers. That's the thing. I think Ar- looking at it like that. I think Arteta saves himself a lot of flack if he brings in a goalkeeper, which is one hundred percent a better option. Yeah, of course. Whereas yeah. with this, because there's that debate there, you're never going to be able to settle. And every yeah. and because they're both similar standards, every single time one of the keepers does something wrong, rightfully or wrongfully, fans are going to be like. Oh well, Ramsdale didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Rye wouldn't do that. Yeah, and I think that adds to the narrative and the talk of it all being a little bit of a shambles. Yeah, I think you know the narrative about narrative. Sorry, around it, the narrative around it has been really poor, and I, I you know, and that's that's partly our own doing, um, partly. You know the tabloids wanting a story, and you know it is a story. At the end of the day, how many how many times in the last ten years can you see, you know, one of the best teams in the country and Europe bringing in a second number one goalkeeper, and and allegedly the plan was to rotate them. That doesn't happen. It, it just it just doesn't. There's a reason it doesn't happen, um, and I think we're probably seeing the reason now. Um, what was really heartening yesterday with Ramsdale is how actually he calmed down. And in the second half, he was excellent. And he looked like Aaron Ramsdale from last season. But that first half was a worry. And you are going to have that now. And I think you're right. And every single time either one of them plays and makes even the tiniest of errors, as the fans, you know, that the fans are going to be upset about it and they're going to have their own opinions and they're going to take sides. And that's not what we want. We don't want division. You know, you want unity. That's um, it. We're, ju- we're just toing and froing. Like, you go back to the Chelsea game when... Rye gave the ball away once or twice and the Mudrick goal for the cross and his positioning and all that. It's exactly mm. the same thing. Yeah. Fans, fans start talking and say, oh, well, I don't think Ramsdale does that. Yeah, and, exactly. And I, I can't see that going anywhere. 
I feel like no, this is a conversation I, I we're going to be having the whole time that these two are at the club, which yeah. makes me sad because it, the only way I can see us getting out of this situation is Ramsdale leaving. And I don't, I don't want that to happen. No. And I think that's the only, the only logical ending to it, unfortunately. What I will say, and I know we've been talking about this for ages already, um, is that I don't think Ramsdale has partic- particularly gone about it that well either. Um, I think given the interviews and almost within a couple of weeks of it being obvious that he wasn't the number one, you know, coming out and saying, if I want to be in the England squad, I might have to move, you know, and touting around it. And 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 it, his dad is not his responsibility, but his dad doing podcasts and going on about, I just think like, you know, all right, you might have been screwed over here. This, this, you know, you, unfortunately that you've, you're the, you're the loser in this situation. And we all love you, but you're the loser in this situation. I think at that point, you either come out and go, you know, I'm I'm the keeper, I'm the second choice keeper, and you know, I'll play in the cup and I'll do my best to prove how good I am, or you stay quiet. I think coming out and saying, you know, I might have to look elsewhere, I might have to move, you know, I might have to look if I want to get in the England squad for the World Cup or the Euros. I just don't think that's a good look either. Um the problem is actually, I think what you said before is that no one really comes out of it looking that great. That's just the whole situation. No one, neither of the keepers look like world beating keepers because unfortunately, neither of them are world beating keepers. The manager comes out of it looking not amazing. And then Ramsdale comes out of it looking a little bit bitter and, you know, like he should have just got on with it. So I think the whole situation, which has been engineered by maybe poor decision making from the upper management has, has bled down. Um, however, we are still top of the league. I, I, that's the thing. As soon as we got on the end of this Ramsdale chat, I was going to be like, you know what? We're, we're about half an hour into this podcast and we haven't mentioned the fact that we're top of the league. What's <laughs> happened? Top of the league. <laughs> we are top of the league. It's mad. It's, it's like it's, it's, it's where where when when did that happen? It, I can't I can't believe we're talking. That's the, the thing. Pe- people are talking about the fact that Liverpool are going under the radar, and and they are going under the radar. They're on twenty eight after thirteen games. We're on thirty after thirteen games after only losing one game, and uh, one game by the way, which we shouldn't have shouldn't lost. Have lost. Um, yeah, but it just feels like we're we're kind of coasting. I. Bizarre. Like we've we've had some very good games this season, but I don't think we're playing awfully well. I think we're up there without really being at our best. I think you're right. I think um, the games the games that we've looked really good in were Sheffield United at home, um, Burnley at home, PSV at home. Maybe that's it. I don't. I can't. I'm struggling to think of I'd, another one. I'd, where may, we, where I'd maybe looked. throw throw the City game into that bracket. City, I, th- actually, I think City we dealt with really, really well. You're right. I think City game, I think it'd be really, really remiss of me to not mention the game in which we beat the treble winners. Um, but you're right. I I think maybe out of the, all the games we've played this season, I think you may be looking at four games where we've looked genuinely really, really impressive. And they were against two of, you know, I don't want to predict the end of the season, two almost relegation certainties. A uh, PSV who was struggling, and the treble winners. What a mix. Um, and I, I again, not getting too far ahead of myself and not getting too excited because it is November the 26th as we're recording this. Um, it is late November at the end of the day. 
we are doing what what Man City did last year, which is not playing that well, not winning every game, getting some poorer results, being frustrated with the way we're playing. And they were, by the way, while we were while we were winning every week last week last year. City fans were a little bit like, God, we're not playing that well. What's going on here? What's something? And that feels very much how we're doing this season. Is that we're not playing that well. We're not an attacking force in the way that we were last season. And yet we're still somehow top of the league. In a league where Man City are, are in it, Liverpool are in it and playing brilliantly, by the way. You're right, they are totally going under the radar and they shouldn't be. Um, it's bizarre because I, I, I'm... I'm it felt last year like we had to be at our absolute 100% best every week to stay at the top. And this season, after 13 games, after a third of the season, we haven't been at our best other than maybe three or four weeks out of the whole season. And yet we're still top. And I, don't, I just don't know where that where that particularly has come from. I'm delighted about it, obviously. <laughs> I couldn't be happier. But I'm, it's, it definitely comes as a bit of a weird, a weird feeling. I think on that, Arteta's, Arteta's new obsession is controlling games. Mm. And if I'm honest, I there were a couple of times last night during the Brentford game where I was a tiny bit nervous. It looked mm. like the kind of game where we... If, if we didn't score first, we would lose that game. If Brentford were to get the first goal in that game, I don't think we, we'd come away with anything there. Just, mm. just by the way we were playing, we were playing really slowly. Mm-hmm. Some of the key players just weren't on it. Like Odegaard last night. Yeah. I, I don't think he was... He had a couple of good moments in the first half, a couple. But, you know, mm-hmm. you go back to last season, he was running games for us. Yeah. Um, and I think, I, think, I think now's not particularly the time to be, to be kind of, um, as, as we say, we're sitting top of the league. And I don't think now's particularly the time to be looking deeper into players who performed so well last season, not performing to that level this season. But it is a concern that, you know, players like Odegaard, you know, who, who you could bank on last season, every game, looking like the player who was going to do something, hasn't really done that this year. So yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, and it's not just him either. But then I know you want to talk about this. I think that that is with Arteta's new obsession of controlling games he's controlling it from a defensive point of view mm. so i think last season we were really kind of max verstappening our way to the front yeah. Yeah. whereas this season i think we're a lot more a lot more measured mm-hmm. and a lot more certain about the things we do and it also adds to that as we've mentioned teams are approaching us in a different way now yes because, because they because they know how we play but um yeah, I think that, you know, Odegaard, for example, his his attacking numbers, his attacking threat isn't there because we are so focused on controlling the game from a defensive point of view. I think you're right. I think um, the way I'd put it is last season we were Basball T20. This season we are Test Match. You know, we are, it is long-term. I think it's, I think there are more than one, it's more than one factor. Absolutely more than one factor. Um, It's not just that we're looking for control more, which we definitely are, by the way, and I'll go into that more now. But you're right, teams are playing completely differently. You know, the the first half of last season before the World Cup, we were absolutely, no one expected us to be where we were. 
we didn't expect us to be where we were. No one thought we were going to be five points clear going into the World Cup. No one thought we were going to be in the top four going into the World Cup. So teams were coming out at us and they were thinking, oh, it's Arsenal, we've got a chance today. First game of the season, last season, at Selhurst Park, Palace away, a game that we typically find difficult. A lot of teams find difficult at Selhurst Park. It's not an easy place to go. They come out and they think, we can do this team. We can do Arsenal. First game of the season, they lost to Brentford last year, first game. We can do them. And guess what? We were better than them. We played through them. We found the space because they left us the space. Fast forward seven months and fast forward to this season, those sorts of teams aren't leaving us that space anymore. You look at Brentford yesterday, that was a home game for Brentford. They were at home yesterday. Then you look at the, you look at any sort of attacking screenshot from Arsenal for the entire game and there's eight Brentford players, nine Brentford players in their own box. It's a home game. So teams are approaching us different now, which you have to expect. You have to expect it. It's, you, you can't expect teams to come out and, and, and press you. Even Man United did it. Man United came to the Emirates and sat with 10 men behind the ball. Um, and, and that's just what you have to expect. And you have to work out how to play through that. And I don't think we've particularly worked that out yet properly. I think we're getting there. And I think playing in different ways, like with Havertz yesterday, I think that's part of it. And I think also doing the thing that we're doing quite a lot of at the moment, which some pundits seem to be thinking is time-wasting. It's not time-wasting. We're taking our time over things to try and make them lose their concentration and give us a chance of getting a goal. Um, we're doing that a lot more, and you can notice that even in the first halves of games now. You know, who's time-wasting in the 23rd minute? No one. We're doing that for a reason. But yeah, the control thing, it's very much a Pep Guardiola thing as well. And I, I've been I've been hot take thinking for the last four, five years that Man City are actually not that fun to watch. They just aren't. I don't think they have been for quite a while. Um, yeah, I think they're an, an, ab, an absolute winning machine, undoubtedly, and a winning machine. And they've got players like Kevin De Bruyne who are incredible to watch. But as a, as a unit, I don't think they're that enjoyable. To I did enjoy watching them play Liverpool yesterday. Really, I didn't. And I think I think Arteta's picked that up from there, much like a lot of the other stuff that he's picked up from there. But I do think it's about finding a balance. I do think it's about finding a balance, and I think. Pep has found that balance with Man City, whereby he is they are defensively sound. And it does help being able to go out and buy Ruben Diaz and Josco Guardiol and you know other Nathan Ake and brilliant defenders who will keep you defensively stable because they're brilliant defenders. Um, but he's found the balance of still being able to look threatening attacking and and still having that defensive stability. Um uh we haven't yet. I don't think. I don't think we found the balance. And I think I think we probably will. But I think right now we have absolutely maximised our defense, defensive stability. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. We look, you know, we've conceded the least number of goals in the league so far this season. And if someone had told me that three years ago, I would have absolutely, I'd been on the floor laughing or crying, one or the other. Um, but we don't look like an attacking unit that let's put it this way last season we played Liverpool at the Emirates and within 60 seconds we were 1-0 up because we broke in a move that we haven't done that any 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 of our attacking movement this season hasn't been as good as that very quick quick pace one one, one touch passing you know balls through the middle to Martinelli to run onto we don't play like that anymore we push up we push up we push up we push up and playing against low blocks we pass it around pass it around wait for a space to appear and it isn't fun to watch. And I'm not having fun watching us, to be honest. Um, but 
if it wins you the league, <laughs> it wins you the league. Chelsea won the league with Antonio Conte playing some of the most boring football you're mm. ever likely to see. Well, but they won it. the league. You go back to Pete Mourinho. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. You know, we, we we only call Mourinho boring now, I think, because we've had the likes of Guardiola come forward in his earlier years at Barcelona, mm-hmm. where they're just pure liquid football. Yeah, and I think like it's the it was the perfect antithesis at the time. It was Pep's got the Pep's Barcelona against um, Jose's Real Madrid, and you saw the two styles of football going head to head, and actually probably fifty fifty as to who came out on top most of the time. I think in, in in most people's minds, Pep will be a better manager than Mourinho for the rest of time. But that that's a discussion for another podcast on another day. Um, but I think I think we are obsessed with control. It has made us a little bit less exciting attacking. But I think what's really important to, to, to kind of consider, and I have to tell myself this over and over again, is that I highly, highly doubt this is our final form. And I highly, highly doubt that Mikel Arteta and the rest of the backroom team look at performances like yesterday and think, perfect, that's what I want, job done. I I, I think they're probably still working out. Now that they've happy, now they must be happy with the defensive stability, I think they're still working out how to make that balance work um, and hopefully we'll get there sooner than later. I th- I think, yeah, a lot of Man City fans talk about Pep's evolution of the team and how almost every season it's like a, a version two, version three, version four, whatever, so on. I, th- I think with us, we are classically Arteta is one of Pep's disciples is doing something similar. Mm-hmm. You know, we are we are so different to last season, but we're still getting the job done. And he's finding ways of using players in different ways. Um, but the one, the one thing I think that helps us out this season is we we know when we can take the handbrake off. You know, yes. you, you you go to Sheffield United at home, and we we won that what four five nil. Five nil, yeah. Um, you know, we have that in us, which I think <clears> helps. <throat> where yeah. we, it's not like we're we're beating Sheffield United at home one nil. You know, there yeah. has there has been games like Burnley and whatever, but we we have that in us where we can switch it on and score goals mm-hmm. and be flowing and attacking and exciting to watch. So I th- I think with us being able to do that, it kind of gives us the confidence when we do play defensively like we did at Brentford and think, you know what? Yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Because we do yeah. have it in us. And it, it, it feels like we haven't scored that many goals this season, but really with, so we've scored 27 Liverpool mm. have only scored 28. City have scored 33 because they've got a fucking Terminator up front. <laughs> um, you know, Villa have scored 29. Newcastle have scored 31. Mm. Brighton have scored 28. So it, we haven't scored... It's not like we've scored a a really, really low number of goals. We're winning no. every game 1-0. Yeah, no one, no one out of those Man United, of leading packers. Man United have only scored thirteen, by the way. But, yeah, uh, well, that, that that tells you a lot. But no one, you're right. No one out of that leading pack, other than Man City, who do have a man who might not actually be biologically human up front. Um, no one out of that leading pack has scored that many goals. I'm not. I, I think. I think you know it, it is helped by winning five nil at Sheffield United against Sheffield United and games that we have scored a few goals, kind of bumping up that total, but. I think you're right. I think we do have it in us. And again, I think against the teams who do give us the space, um, we we do have the opportunity to to kill them. Um but I think I think I think it's about the balance, and I think we have to be patient. And it's really hard to be patient 
you know, I think if we'd finished third, like as I said earlier, I think if we'd finished third last year, then we'd probably be looking at this year and going, yeah, this is really good. But because we came so close last year, playing the way that we played last year, we almost expect that we should be playing the exact same way and we should be going out and scoring goals in the first three minutes of games. And and actually, we need to be patient and realise that it is a process. And I know everyone hates hates the trust the process thing, but I think it it is a process. We have to be patient and we have to wait for what what is the end form because this isn't it yet. I don't even think the squad is complete yet. I don't even think that we're looking at the squad and going, yeah, this is right. I don't even think the first 11 is complete yet. I think there are going to be more of those painful Ramsdale type exits from the first 11. And I'm not going to go out on a limb and say who I think they might be, but I think there's going to be more players who people love who are going to start to be drifting out of the side. Um, Until we are where we want to be in terms of the backroom staff and, and what they want, we have to be patient. So I'm going to try and be patient. It's really hard as a football fan. Football fans are not patient. That's not our that's not our number one quality. Let's remind ourselves of that, but let's try our best, I think. I think we we'll do a podcast closer to the January transfer window where we think um moves are going to happen. Like mm. notoriously January isn't really a busy transfer window. But I think I think that's definitely worth talking about because I think I think we do need a new striker. I mm-hmm. think we I think we do need a box to box midfielder. I didn't I didn't realise how much I love Granite Xhaka until he's gone. Yeah. I, f- I feel like... I miss um, him so much. <laughs> What's the name of the guy in Walking Dead? Um, the main guy that's in... Like, oh, I don't know. I didn't watch Walking Dead. Um, You're talking to the wrong man. Oh, fucking hell. Anyway. I feel like the guy in Love Actually where he's uh he's on the uh he's on the doorstep with loads of like placards <laughs> yeah, saying that's how I feel. That's exactly how just, I feel. Just because it's Christmas, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Granite, please come back. <laughs> I think we finished this podcast talking very quickly and briefly about VAR. Because mm. I I tweeted a couple of things last night of Arsenal fans talking about the VAR incident and comparing it to Newcastle and being like, oh, well, they can get the camera for that one, can't they? It's like, yes, they can. The ball is right there. You can see it. And yeah. you can see that his toe is offside. Rightly yeah. or wrongly, you can see his toe is offside. Uh, Trossard is offside. I think, um, I think yes. And, and, and well done for fighting the good fight on Twitter, by the way, because that is a job. That is a thankless task, fighting the good fight on Twitter. That doesn't usually end terribly well for me. So I try and stay away from it these days. But you're right. I think if we want uh, to be able to complain when things go wrong, we have to be able to accept when things go right. Um, That's it. Arteta last, Arteta last week, or um, not last week, before the international break. Is that Burnley? It might have been Burnley where after the game he was like, Ask me about it. Like everybody took it quite flippantly and unserious. Yeah. And I think he was kind of addressing it that way as well. But he says, yes. ask me about VAR. It was great tonight. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and it did work yesterday. A lot of the people upset about yesterday's decision seemed to be people who didn't quite understand one, what the rule was and yeah. two, what they were looking at when the lines were drawn. Um, so I think that was the main issue. But yeah, you're right. We have to, we have to be able to say, well done. It got it right when it does get it right because otherwise then we can't we can't go and complain when it gets it wrong absolutely you know it has to work both ways right that's it we've come to the end of the very first fucking great podcast thank you very much Tom for joining us oh mate pleasure thank you Um, we're going to be doing this podcast uh, hopefully weekly um, Mm -hmm. throughout the season so uh, get at me on socials jackwood98 underscore on twitter and Tom 
Mine's weird. I'm <laughs> I'm at Tom Kayak. I use the I to try and replicate an L when it was an uppercase I looked like an L on Twitter previously. Tom Kayak with an E at the end. <laughs> it's not easy to find me, really. <laughs> if you find me, you'll find Tom in my mentions. <laughs> Yeah, just find Jack. Uh, leave, forget me. I'm not worth following anyway. If you've uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, do subscribe uh, on whatever provider you are listening on. All the information will be in the description down below um, in terms of website, Linktree, where you can listen, all that kind of stuff. I won't bore you with all the details, but just look in the description of the podcast. You can find it all on there. And yeah, we'll speak to you next time. Cheerio. Yeah, obviously we're quite good at football as well.